Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. Today I have a very interesting guest that I think you will really appreciate. Joshua Black, Ph.D., is a grief researcher, speaker, consultant, and host of the Grief Dreams podcast. His work focuses on dreams and continuing bonds after loss. As one of the leading academic experts in grief dreams, which can be dreams of the deceased, for us would be our children, Dr. Black has directed his efforts on raising awareness about this fascinating phenomenon through media interviews, in addition to speaking engagements and workshops. This episode is a bit longer than usual, and I thought about splitting it up into two separate ones, but I decided not to chop it up like that. So without making it any longer, here is our conversation. All right. Well, I have Dr. Joshua Black with me, and I want to give you a very warm welcome and let you know that you are only the second person in over three years of my doing this podcast. You are only the second person I've had on as a guest who has not lost a child. So I am very excited to have you here with us today. So welcome. Well, thank you for having me. And wow, I feel very honored to be here and to sort of answer some questions that you may have on the topic and to provide some guidance as best as I can, because I know this topic is of great importance to everyone. And despite not having that type of loss, I have a different loss. And But I've had, you know, I've talked to bereaved parents about the topic. So hopefully I can provide some guidance and some understanding on some of these dreams. Right. Yes. And I'm, I'm hoping that too. I'm, I'm very confident that we'll get some help here. <laughs> so, and like you said, it is an important topic. And the topic of dreams about our children after they die comes up so often that I am really glad to be able to bring you on to kind of help us sort some of this out, answer some questions like you said. And you are considered, I'll, I'll toot your horn here, uh, one of the world's leading academic experts in grief dreams. So I think that's interesting because you don't think about dreams having an academic or, you know, a, a, that learning piece to it. You did mention a loss. So how about if we start out with you just sharing that loss with us and how you got into this? You know, as when I was in university, that's when undergrad university, that's when my dad died. And it was near the end of my, my I guess, career choice. And and the university itself. And that threw me into the grips of grief for the first time after a death. It was the first, he was the first significant loss in my life. And it completely tore me. I wasn't expecting it. He died very suddenly. And I didn't know how to deal with it. Like most people Mm -hmm. just in general, just aren't talked, this isn't talked about. And so um, I I completely broke down and cried and had the funeral. And then I'm like, I just want to go back to school, go back to work. I want to stop crying. Like that was Mm -hmm. my goal. It was just so uncomfortable for me. I know as a, as a male, it was the first time I probably cried in like 10 years. (laughs) And so, (laughs) so uncomfortable and I couldn't stop. And then, you know, I got my wish. I stopped crying and I was able to go back to school and go back to work. But what people didn't know was inside something had changed because of that desire. And when I looked out into the world, it was almost like, 
black and gray, like the mm -hmm. color came completely out. And so I was functioning like everything was okay. Inside was, you could say dead. Right. There's just, there was no life left in me. And I just thought, oh, this is just how it is. And then I went back. I never even thought that that could change. And three months later, that's when I had a dream of my father and it completely brought the life back into me. And it's not like something I wanted to have. I wasn't like longing for one. It just happened. And the dream was very simple and straightforward. It was, he was in my room. He looked healthy and happy. And it was the first time I've really seen him like that. Since he had a lot of issues with alcohol and addictions mm. and trauma in his past. Uh, and um, he was just, he felt light. And there was this lightness mm. in the air, this, almost this love in the air. And I walked up to him and I said, I'm going to miss you, acknowledging his death. And I told him that I loved him. And we hugged and I woke up. And it's when I woke up everything changed it mm. was the most I still sit in the mystery of that moment because it wasn't like mm. I interpreted the dream and it changed me the dream itself changed me and I just like sat in my bed wondering what what was that and I didn't I still don't know <laughs> <to this day. laughs> what uh -huh. it is but I know the effect it had on my life right. and, it, and it completely changed me and as I moved forward I started to volunteer with the bereaved to try to make some meaning out of my own loss and they had these questions on these dreams and like, you know, why am I not having them or um, why am I having negative dreams or are these dreams even common or what does this dream mean? And I was very curious because I've only so had why aren't I having dreams? <laughs> yeah. All, all those questions. Uh, yeah. I never really asked. And because I was still trying to find my way in the world after the death, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, maybe I could explore this further um, in a master's program. And then I and so I decided to get the courage to do that. I never wanted to be a researcher. <laughs> I, I went, <laughs> I went that way. I felt that there was a calling. There's just mm -hmm. like a calling and the doors open mm -hmm. that needed to open. Um, there was a re dream researcher where I was staying at that time at a different university. And like, who knew people mm -hmm. studied dreams and like, is yeah. actually a thing. And so I was able to do my master's and then I was able to then do my PhD at a different university to explore the topic some more. And um, that's where I got to answer a lot of the questions that I initially wanted to answer was in the PhD. There wasn't enough time in my master's program. So mm. that's how I really got here. And so my whole goal was to really answer some of the questions. And then now it's the time to actually um, help people understand that there are some answers to some of the questions people normally have after mm -hmm. loss. And a lot of issues too, that I've only since doing the topic and researching the topic and talking to people do you actually come across? And so, yeah. Um, yeah, so now the big thing is just raising awareness and increasing grief literacy on this one area that most people just don't know much about because there wasn't really any research prior mm -hmm. that came out to address the questions that people have. So um, I feel like I've done sort of my part in making some meaning out of my loss. And now it's just continuing yeah. that on to actually let people know that there has been some research done to help them out. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's amazing how yeah, our losses, our deep, deep losses can be, I mean, there really can be good that comes from them. Not, I mean, we'd rather have our kids back, your dad back, I'm sure, you know, it, it's, I'd, I'd rather have them back, but it is amazing when we allow it, that it can catapult us into something that we weren't expecting to help others. I do want to establish something that's probably really important to our listeners. Now, you have not only studied this out academically, but I did read an article that you talked about where you had prayed about this, the spiritual side of dreams. Do you feel like the Lord showed you anything about this? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I grew up in a, 
a very Christian home. And my first, I guess I'll go back. So my first understanding of dreams actually based on my parents' understanding was that dreams were from the devil, which mm. as a child was having a lot of nightmares. And, mm. and so I understood maybe where they're coming from. And at that time, there was a lot of research or understanding on the topic. And so that was my understanding of dreams at that time. And probably until I really um, had some, until I started knowing that there was some research on it. And so that same line of thinking still persists to this day with some other people that don't know about the research and will see these dreams also as the devil in disguise. Hmm. And so even the positive dreams that people may have. So like the dream I had of my father, they may say that's the devil in disguise mm -hmm. trying to trick you. And so I was praying on that because I didn't really want, you know, you don't want to do the devil's work, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but my understanding of dreams after reading the Bible was that they're very helpful. And that's how God can talk to you and help you through certain challenges, especially with the stories of Joseph. Mm -hmm. um, and I gained a lot of my understanding actually from dreams through really reflecting on how Joseph interpreted dreams and how mm. it spoke through him. So I really spent a lot of time in that. And I said, like, as I prayed, I'm like, so how, how can I rebuttal? Cause I know that these dreams are helping people mm -hmm. and within the religion or within the faith. And then that's when, you know, Matthew 12, 24, 27 sort of came into my mind. Uh, and it was really that um, people don't know or not, but that's when the Pharisees told Jesus that his healing powers were coming from Satan that's how he was able to heal. And then Jesus explains that if Satan was casting out Satan, his kingdom wouldn't survive. They'll be mm -hmm. fighting against each other. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. And that's how these dreams are actually, people are saying the same thing, that they're from the devil. But when you actually look at the research, even some of the research I've done, they actually strength can strengthen people's faith, except for some of those positive ones. Jesus mm -hmm. has come through in some of the dreams to reassure them that they've crossed over, that they're safe. That they're, that they're healthy. Other times you sort of see that they've helped people through their grief journey by answering questions, providing love and support in the most mm -hmm. difficult times. And even if you don't believe it's a visitation, these dreams itself can just give you another opportunity to sort of hear and, and see. And maybe sometimes they say like to talk or to hear your the loved one's voice again, where sometimes that's part of our grief is we want mm -hmm. to see them one more time. We want to hear their voice. And in those moments we can, and that could be helping us in different ways that we just don't know. But you know, there's a lot of things that can go to how these dreams, and I've done research on how these dreams can help us process our grief. So you don't need to believe that they're a visitation, but they, I would say that they're not from the devil. So, you know, mm. with that understanding, I can say, okay, right. great. You know, like I can move forward with that moving, like that topic and help people sort of maybe try to understand these dreams in a more academic way. And I said, like, if some people believe that that's okay, but just mm -hmm. based on the research and what I've found, like maybe there's some other ways we can process it first or look at it first through a different mm -hmm. lens. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, I think that's very helpful. One of the things I think it's fascinating to me how much research is coming out in just even things like the brain and how it the the neuroscience and the pathways that our brains make and and our thoughts, we can actually make new pathways in our brains and change the way we think and the way we act and the way we respond. And it's like, that's scriptural. We're, it's like, that's what God tells us all the time. It's just now we have science to back it up. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like, I feel like you're kind of saying the same thing with dreams that, you know, God used dreams through scriptures 
And, and I believe God speaks through dreams today. It doesn't mean that every dream is from God. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit, maybe to tell the difference if there's something that's just a dream and something that's trying to speak to us. But it, it is amazing how when we find out there are things that back up what God does and says, that just kind of reassures us. For some people have a hard time just walking in pure faith. <laughs> um, it, it can help when you have something to back it up. So yeah. we're kind of dancing around this a little bit, but some of the dream research has shown that the dreams can represent our waking life. And we can have negative dreams and we can have positive dreams. Now, what can we learn from some of our positive dreams? So it's really depending on what we're looking at. So if it's the ceases in the imagery or not, if it's just a positive dream, just of whatever, of like, I don't know, flying in on an elephant or something just for fun, you know, <laughs> I think it's just a great sort of moment in time where it's probably giving you some respite from the distress that you typically would feel during waking mm, life because you're, you're sure. grieving. But what most people are probably having is because they're not having these really positive dreams. They're probably having a lot of negative dreams, mm -hmm. um, especially without the deceased, mm -hmm. just because research has shown that typically our dreams are more negative because they reflect our waking life. So if we're worrying, if we're trying to work through trauma, all that sort of stuff impacts our dreams. We're watching the news or stressed about something. So you're expecting most people to have actually negative dreams within the grieving process. And so people should understand that that's normal and that's okay. We can learn a little bit about maybe what our brain is trying to process. And that can mm -hmm. be helpful if we're looking to, if we're seeing a therapist or a counselor to understand maybe what you're working on in, in your sleep to maybe help you in waking life to work on a little bit faster um, can mm -hmm. sort of help a little bit. Um, but also it's also doing its own work. So even the beauty of the mind is that it doesn't turn off when you're asleep. It's mm -hmm. continuing to work through your stress and your trauma. And so just understanding and appreciating that is really good. And there's different ways you can work through negative dreams. And we can talk about that maybe later. But if we have, let's say, but what research has been is shown is that, you know, you can have both negative and positive dreams of the deceased. And I think that's where a lot of people want to know more information about mm -hmm. and on. And it can be the most uplifting, but also the most disturbing. Because mm -hmm. for like the negative dreams, the that one's child could be... Mm -hmm sick, could be dying again, could mm -hmm. be a reenactment of something that's happened. Uh, they could be, you know, uh, I, I know, I, I know I would them. have dreams yeah. about Becca, my daughter, Becca, that she really wasn't dead and she was buried, you know, things like that. Okay, yeah. Or she'd, she'd be, you know, in her coffin at the funeral and all of a sudden she'd sit up, you know, though, though, and I know mm. we were talking earlier with my husband and he, he said he had a lot of horrible dreams yeah, uh, and, after Becca died. And it's one thing to sort of understand it. That is sort of part of the topic. And like, how do you process that? And, and what is it really representing within your loss? Um, and to use discernment, as you're saying, because some people do find, because they may see these dreams, positive dreams as visitations, there's a tendency to also see negative dreams as visitations too. So it could be a sign that they, that something's wrong or that they're mm -hmm being harmed or that they're not well or something like that. And it's just be able to use discernment on maybe what's probably going on. Because what we see after trauma is our dreams are more negative in general and they're more consistently negative. So you just expect that you're going to have a lot of dreams like that. And some will be to have the deceased within it. Uh, and my own research has shown that when dreams are distressing, they 
tend to be based on individual distressing with the deceased in it. They tend to be related to trauma, unresolved feelings of guilt or blame, you know, mm -hmm. so like the whole gamut uh, that most people are dealing with. And there's a mm -hmm. lot of things that we're going through. But what's interesting is that typically just in general, we're more likely to have actually positive dreams of the deceased, which is very strange because it goes against a lot of the research that we that we have. And so this is keeps me in this like very mysterious state mm. on like what's actually going on because they're not acting typically. They're they're actually very unique. And so when you look at the content of those dreams, what is going on? And said so a lot of times the deceased is happy, they're healthy. Um, they actually help within the grieving process by answering questions. They can give comfort, they give love. With children, they can age as they would, as they mm. normally would. They can wow. talk about, they can talk about. So yeah, so um, if mm. someone was like two when the person they died, in in two years, the person's dreaming about it as four, and so on. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's very. You don't see that with other things or other types of um, losses, mm. but you see that with, yeah. with children. And then you sort of have, you know, the children can. And that know, really would make you wonder: Are they really coming to me? That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you know, I, I think about how often, you know, I have conversation with parents about, you know, especially the ones that use, lose the younger children. You're always wondering, like this time of year is school is starting. And there are so many that are devastated because my child's not starting school this year. You know, they should be in such and such grade. They would be this old. They would. And so to me, it just I guess it makes sense that you might have a dream of your child that age. Well, your mind's on that and mm -hmm. it's, and it's interesting that it's actually positive. It's like actually trying to support or give you an understanding of maybe what they would look like, or maybe it is visitation. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just really interesting to sort of yeah. just think about, um, but understanding what's actually going on is you're having a very beautiful moment and mm -hmm. it's giving for the most part, it's giving you a chance to feel love in a different way. Cause a lot of people are grieving. It's out of love. Like you're not grieving because mm -hmm. of, you know, anything it's because they love the individual so much. And then now that they're not there, you get this, like your, your heart's broken, but what it's interesting in these dreams, it's also, it's like mending your heart in a way, because mm. a lot of times the person knows the child's dead in the dream, mm -hmm. but it doesn't yeah. matter. Right. The love is still present and they're feeling mm -hmm. something that they haven't felt, I guess, in maybe in waking life. Um, and I think there's a, there's something beautiful about that. And you see that across cultures, you see that across different types of losses. There's this almost profound peace and love within these dreams. And I think there's a healing aspect of that within it. And so like within the dreams, the deceased can just be, especially with children, they tend to be mm -hmm. playing more than anything. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't see that with like adult loss. So like a parent uh -huh. would be like playing tag or, you know, maybe they're mm -hmm. coloring or like they're, they're, they're doing mm -hmm. some high, playing hide and go seek. They're doing like kids things. Kid, huh? kid uh -huh. stuff. And I think there's, there's a joy for, for parents to be able to do that mm. within the dream. But also the child can talk to them. And give them some of the things maybe that they're longing to hear that they love them. It's a big one. I hear children say a lot that they, mm. that they, they love the parent or just uh, to be able to hug them and hold them. Like there's something beautiful about that. And as much as a lot of these dreams can be very beautiful when the parent wakes up, they can yeah. be devastating. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which causes some people to say, I don't want these dreams again mm -hmm. because of the amount of pain that it caused the individual when they woke up. But I think it's just reflecting in different ways of processing these dreams and just, you know, like understanding that there may be some value in there, even though it caused so much pain. If we look at it in a certain way, maybe actually 
benefiting the individual in some way mm-hmm. um, as they move forward. So I don't know how much you want me to continue to talk about no, that. And like, I ha- no, I have a, <laughs> I want I want to continue along that line, but before that, I want to back up because I had one question about the negative dreams that we might have. I, I know for me, when I, when I think back at some of those dreams I had, it seemed like I was still just trying to process the reality that she really was dead. My heart just wasn't ready to accept it. Now, can we change some of those negative dreams? Is there, it's called like rescripting or something, something we can do? Yeah. So fighting that. Yeah. I I think I, I should mention too, it's way more common to have these positive dreams by like a long shot. Um, so just in a couple studies I've done, it's like almost 90% of bereaved individuals have had uh, a positive dream mm, of the okay. deceased where it's around like 30, 40 will have a negative dream. But what's interesting why I'm referring to that is because people who have negative dreams also tend to have positive dreams. And the theory mm. behind that is people are probably having more negative dreams in the beginning of the initial loss as we're trying, as grief is at its most intense, right. we're trying to figure this out. And as you said, like these dreams where they they say they're not dead or they're, they're in a mm-hmm. casket. Like you would think that those are happen more often. And as we start processing and working through that, these dreams can start changing to maybe something more positive for the individual. But yes, there are different ways that you can actually work through these dreams. And dream rescripting is one of those ways that we can sort of do that. So one way, so what you do is that if you have, it actually works with these dreams, but any dreams in general, even without the deceased, and what's interesting, I actually used this technique as a child without even knowing that it was actually something I was supposed to be doing because <laughs> I was yeah. saying I had a lot of nightmares <laughs> as a kid. And so what you do is you change the, there's a couple ways you can do it, um, but you can change the ending of the dream to something more positive. So let's say, you know, you're being chased um, by mm-hmm. someone or like a, a figure, um, you wake up out of breath, you can then rescript it. And by adding sort of an ending where you turn around and you realize, oh, it's actually your child and just wants a hug, right? So mm. and then you can sort of go along and then, you know, what would mm. that look mm-hmm. like and feel like? And so what you're doing is you're just changing it so you're not avoiding the actual dream. And with that, research has shown that if you do that and you think about that before throughout your day and before bed, you're going to have a decrease in distress if you do have a similar dream like that. But actually, you have a reduced chance of even having those types of dreams again, mm. and which is a very beautiful technique to be able to use. And so with that, it actually worked with children too. So people who parents who still continue to have, you know, children that are also Mm -hmm. grieving, they may be having negative dreams also. And it's an easy technique that they can use, you know, with the child. So you can also maybe even incorporate in another character within the dream. So it's good for like, you know, you could add Jesus within the dream to help you through some of maybe the negative moments of that dream um, and then change it. So there's different things mm-hmm. you can use to sort of help yourself through this um, difficult time and tra- processing it. Because one of the things I constantly hear is that when people do have, especially these frequent nightmares of, of the, especially of the deceased, there's mm-hmm. this re- reaction where they try to avoid sleep because they're trying oh, to avoid right. yes. the actual dreams. And what's mm-hmm. actually, that's actually the worst thing to do because actually really probably produces more of those dreams because you're you're using oh. a, it's an avoidance technique and the, the mind is trying to deal with the grief and there's reasons ah. for it. Um, so the better is to just rescript and then go back in and really wow, provide that's a, good to know. Yeah. It's really to provide also the importance of sleep with this processing grief in general, mm. which is super important. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. That was one of my <laughs> questions. This is, this is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> one thing I, I can think of one of my, someone who's become a good friend of mine, in this grief world of losing children, 
I know there are parents who get frustrated because I want to have dreams about my child and I'm not, and I'm hearing other people, or they may say, my aunt had a dream about my child. He's my child. Why aren't I dreaming about my child? Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's sad to hear that people are having additional difficulties. And usually what happens is that they can provide an, a negative understanding on why that is. So they can provide themselves, um, maybe they don't love me, or maybe I did something wrong and they're withholding their visit or, you know, like the, we, we can project different things to try to give us understanding, like our minds want to understand. And so that's actually one of the reasons I went because a lot of people were providing negative a negative mm -hmm. reason mm -hmm. on why they weren't having a dream that was just complicating their grief and their mm -hmm. loss. And so I was like, is there a different explanation <laughs> that we could actually have <laughs> before we go there? And yeah, so I, in multiple studies that I did, I looked at, you know, grief, attachment styles, um, spirituality, um, gender, age, all sorts of different factors. And what I found was a uh, dream recall frequency in general was the most important predictor and it actually was the most it was the only significant predictor in, in both my studies mm. and so what it's saying is that people who remember more dreams are more likely to remember more of these types of dreams so it's almost uh. like you're catching these dreams more often when they're occurring mm. so what it tells me is that people are probably dreaming of the deceased so they're just not remembering it when they wake up and I think that is its own issue and, and research is still trying to understand why certain people remember more dreams than others there's some, there's around 10% of the population that doesn't remember dreams in general, even mm -hmm. though they're having them. And so there is some mystery around that, but also one's culture and your understanding of dreams has an impact on how many you remember. So hmm. if you're valuing dreams, let's say you're writing them down, you'll actually have more of the dreams. And yeah. if you, and our culture, North America, anyways, we just don't value dreams. They right. say like, we barely I, know yeah, that there's research on it. Mm -hmm. And so with that, there's a, there's a lack of, I guess, desire to understand that these dreams can actually have profound meaning for mm -hmm. us as we walk our journey of life. And that includes sort of this grief. It can really can give you some clues on how we're processing and what we're not processing, what we're avoiding, because, you know, we can't really trust ourselves too much <laughs> in, <laughs> in understanding what's going on, mm -hmm. because a lot of it's under the surface. And sometimes we just want to be further than we are and we're not. And sometimes mm -hmm. we don't feel that we've made any movement, but we actually have. And so yes. we can really trick ourselves and our dreams can really be like our best friend. They can really tell us the truth of what's actually going on. And I like to look at that look at dreams, negative ones also, just as sort of reflections of, you know, what I'm processing and, you know, just to be able to look at our own dream language. I think it can give us understanding uh, too, but it takes, the issue is it takes time to understand what dreams are trying to give us. Like the, I would say the gems it's trying to give us for understanding mm. because we haven't been taught like who's right. teaching you about dreams. Like I said, like I looked at, you know, the story of Joseph to try to process, mm -hmm. understand what are even dreams and how can you look at dreams as symbols and everything. And it, it's, it's a lot. And you know, the, what people usually go to is dream dictionaries. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not good, because every individual has different dream symbols. So, mm. you know, your, your symbol of a dog, maybe my 
a different symbol than mine as a dog. Right, because to a dog, it might be something fearful to me if I was attacked by a child. To you, a that's dog right. might be something that's warm and wonderful and fuzzy with, so yeah, right. so I, you know, that you had a dog that you had, so. That's right, yeah, and, there's, so, yeah. and there's multiple dream images within a dream, so it's not like it's just a dog. It's usually there's mm-hmm. a dog driving a car through the mountains, <laughs> and there's like, it says something. So right, there's, right. A, there's a lot of to go on, and so it's just, but what I always say to people who are interested in that is to really start sort of the emotions of the dream and then try to place that in waking life. And that's the easiest way to be able to understand maybe what's, what's going on. And then you can start piecing things together, but it's a difficult process in general. And it's just having patience with that and praying about it. Because if you're really like, as I said, like I really found my own way to that, but I was really, I was praying about it. I was writing them down. I was taking time Mm -hmm. to try to understand them and asking questions about them and looking to scripture to try to understand maybe how dreams play a role. So, you know, like I think with anything, God will give you the understanding. If you truly seek, you want to desire it. Um, But it just takes time and having Mm -hmm. that patience for that. But these are some tips and tools. You can at least normalize it and just not be afraid of dreams. I think that's the more Mm -hmm. important part of it is just not be afraid of the dreams, but to work with them. And if you, if you don't understand them, then ask for help from some people that may be able to provide that for you. I have done a lot of my, you know, my own dream, what'd you call it? Dream language. (laughs) I I have gotten dreams for years. I have a a notebook that I have just for writing down my dreams Mm. and, you know, working through the interpretation. And, and I guess I could say sometimes I feel like I know that something was a dream that I feel like God was trying to get my attention on something. And other times it just seemed like a dream that I could tell I was just working something out. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, duh. and so, but I, I do, I think it's important to, like you said, write them down because I did, I went through a season where I was getting a lot of dreams and it was like every morning I'd find myself writing. It's like, I don't have time for this every day, <laughs> but I think it was cause I was just praying about it and just so yeah. tuned in to, you know, Lord speak to me while I'm sleeping kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, cause sometimes that's the only way I feel like he can really <laughs> get, yeah, and since get sometimes, something to me cause I'm too thick headed right. or busy or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you get that nightmare and it doesn't mean that mm. God's not talking right, to you. Right, it's right. just, it's sometimes maybe that's what we need to, remember when to wake up from that dream because they said like we're processing mm-hmm. for sleeping eight hours we're probably processing six hours of dreams and we're only catching wow. a glimpse of one near the end and so mm-hmm. if it seems meaningful sometimes mm-hmm. you know that's the one we need to look at and there's always yeah. clues to it to that can help us out and as you said it's just using discernment in how we you know interpret that dream is very important because we don't want to induce more distress to ourselves right. by the interpretation Right, right. And I, yeah, I do. Sometimes our brain just while we're sleeping, our subconscious and all the things we don't want to think about during the day or we haven't thought about yeah. can be processed. He said the brain just never sleeps. Yeah, so, I know. I had a, a parent share that after his one child died, he had dreams of his other child drowning. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's he, a fear. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so he, he definitely, yeah, it's a fear of losing another mm-hmm. and he thought it was precognitive. And so mm. it's just understanding that, you know, understanding like, is it precognitive? Probably not. It's probably based on our fears mm-hmm. and to really just take the precautions that you can take. And, you know, the sad thing is we can't control everything in life, um, yeah. but it's to really talk through that and work through that and prepare. All you can do is prepare your child and for to be the best they can be within the society. And if that is taking swim lessons or being, make sure that Mm -hmm. they're always watched if they are swimming to relieve some of that distress. Mm -hmm. But as I sort of talked to individuals, just 
you can see the relief come that it's understanding that, oh, it's just something that you're yes. trying to process that that's your next, mm -hmm. that's what your, you know, your grief is also being, is challenging other aspects of safety of other children and you being yeah. able to protect them because it's so like, as a parent, one of the roles is to protect your children and we just can't yeah, right. protect them as much as we want to. Well, and we just found out we can't. Yeah. You and know, it breaks that, parent, yeah, that model just, that we had. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, it said like you have to rebuild that the best you can mm -hmm. moving forward. It's, it's traumatic. It's a trauma. So, yeah. yeah. So before I let you go, can we talk about sleep itself? <laughs> because sure. our listeners already know how messed up our sleep is. Um, but I think sometimes it's good to how how normal it is for for, you know, someone who studied this out. How important is it to try and get our sleep back on track? And what are some things that we can do to help us do that? You were talking mm. about even being afraid to go to sleep. Yeah. So if it is dreams, it's really like understanding what dreams are. And from an academic perspective, I think it'd be very helpful. Everyone has like their own thoughts and beliefs based on their traditions. And that's okay. Like I'm not saying throughout your traditions. I'm just saying right, like right. understand what like the academic literature has said. And you can work with them in different ways. And to just, you know, try to reduce that fear of that. And then what you can do sort of after that, just understand like the importance of sleep. So if we're restricting it, we're not only just maybe encouraging more of those types of dreams, but we're actually minimizing the way we can actually process our grief. So sleep mm. is important for all areas of our life. And so that can be uh, health. So your immune system just after a yes. few hours of sleep yes. deprivation actually reduces. So, you know, like, and the last thing you want is a cold while you're trying to grieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause <laughs> just, you have no immune. Yeah. No, support, you just yeah. Don't, no immune system. Mm -hmm. And so sleep actually helps with that. Your memory. So pro like one of the things that, you know, people who are grieving mm. will have is memory issues. Oh like, yeah. We think we've got early Alzheimer's. It's that's terrible. right. <laughs> and a lot of that just could be maybe just a lack of sleep. And mm. so by, by having that and getting enough sleep, you're helping your, your mind process and, and remember what's going on. And you need that as you move forward because you're doing a lot of work each day, but if you're not getting the sleep, you're not processing the work that you've done. Uh. And so getting that sleep actually helps with the next day and allowing yourself that what you've done today will actually impact you tomorrow. Like, cause even just surviving and thinking about it is yes. actually processing the loss, even though you're not, you may not think you are, you're doing a lot um, just by uh, each and every day. And so getting enough sleep helps you with that next one. Uh, the other thing is like with um, processing grief is all really about processing. Like it's about your mind. It's a, about, you know, problem solving, like, and all of that's affected by sleep loss. And so giving yourself that sleep is actually allowing you to then problem solve. And how do you, how do you live in a world that yeah. your child does not live in exactly in the, in mm -hmm. the physical body now? And so, you know, that is a problem. And so how do we solve that? And that's sort of really what these, you know, developing continuing bonds, praying, you know, talking to other grievers. This is mm -hmm. really what it's about. And sleep helps with that. And then you have work on top of it. You have other relationships. And so mm -hmm. your mood is important. And so your mood actually gets impacted by sleep. So you probably know you probably get more irritable when you don't get enough sleep. Yeah. You, yeah. you can get depressed. You can even get suicidal. And so yeah. um, with that, the importance of that, because then not only are you going to be able to process, you're going to see yourself in a different way. Um, when you're grieving. So it won't be as, as much as that you're going to be depressed or you're going to be sad. It won't be as much uh, mm -hmm. as if you're sleep deprived because you mm -hmm. couldn't, you can't regulate your emotions as you can. 
Um, and it just helps to in so many different areas, reaction times for your safety, if you're driving. So I could just like continue right. to name yeah. it, but it's just, it is. I, so I know. And some of the times it's like, I don't, I don't care. I, you know, when our child dies, it's like, I, I don't care if I crash my car, but you don't want to take someone else out with it. No. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it's right. like, I, you know, I, yeah. just, we just don't care for a while. We just, because we haven't processed, how am I going to live without my child? No. It just, well, it, our identities are based on that. And it's just like, am yeah. I still a parent? And those are the questions that yes. we ask. And yes. a lot of these dreams and said so they can help and sleep, just getting enough sleep can really help, help you sort through some of that. And what you're trying to work through. And so, yeah, there's different ways that people have found when it comes to sleeping. So if it's not dreams, it's just like sometimes people can't sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be just in the bed and could be just sleeping in a different spot. Um, hmm. Could be some people sleep with the, the child's clothes, you know, it's just finding different opportunities. Sometimes it is going to your um, uh, a sleep clinic to understand it to get, you know, sometimes your physician, local physician can, can help you out to provide you some ways to initiate your sleep. Cause sometimes that's the issue more than anything. Um, but I always sort of stress that, you know, with any kind of sleeping pills that people take, they can be addictive. So right. you'd only want to use them a, a very right. short term just to get some of that sleep, but really processing your grief um, and finding a new way or a new place sometimes to sleep can really be beneficial. I know it's so like people have slept on the couch because uh, mm -hmm. it's just the routine of yeah. the night is really when a lot of people say they'll get these like grief surges yes. because that's when they would have a routine of going mm -hmm. with the child, tucking them in, brushing their teeth. And like now that is an empty space. Right. And it's like, so how can we change that and develop a different routine? And it can take time. And mm -hmm. if it if you have other children or if there's other children in your life. Mm -hmm. um sometimes they'll sleep in the bed with you and that can be very comforting and that's okay like you can allow mm -hmm. that you probably Doesn't... need each other <laughs> yeah you probably need each other and mm -hmm. like they're also dealing with the, the grief and safety and understanding that they don't want you know you to pass and that's a way for them to get comforted too and that's okay and i've heard people children you know year two years but as long as it's not impacting your sleep and as long as like it, it's it can be very helpful for the both of you and so that's mm -hmm. okay and yeah. so but it's just understanding that you know sleep is important to try to find a way to work work through that and those mm -hmm. issues. Yeah. So, and maybe some just practical things, which, you know, it's like, okay, well, maybe we know that, but we're just not thinking clearly right now, but, you know, not stimulating yourself before it's time That's to huge. go to bed. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying know. to meditate the best you can, you know, like, I know you're trying not to watch the news before bed, um, right. as you're saying, you know, like, and other things is too, is just like, if, you're maybe worried about a dream just thinking about a dream you want to have and I think mm, that yes. is it's almost like its own prayer in a way where mm. you're saying if I have this type of dream I want to remember it and mm -hmm. that's something yeah. that people can do and I can I think it'd be a very beautiful way of just you know sitting with that and meditating within the dream mm. of what that would be like and what that would feel like and that can provide maybe some um some comfort and, mm -hmm. and respite to be able to relax a little bit um, but everyone will find their own unique way to get that. But yeah, you're right. If you're anxious going to bed, um, you're first you're gonna have a more difficult time sleeping, and then mm -hmm. the other times you're gonna probably have more negative dreams in general. So mm -hmm. if we can reduce that as much as we can, um, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Dim the lights. Read something. Read something boring. Read something. <laughs> that, that's right. Don't <laughs> drink coffee. Just, you know. Right. And the other right. thing too is if you can't sleep, a lot of times people will just stay in bed like for hours. Mm, uh huh. Uh, the that's not the better way of doing it is just to, if you can't sleep for like 10 minutes, just get up, you know, and just keep the, the lights dim. Don't do anything, do something boring. And then mm -hmm. your body will 
will get back to bed. But if we, when you stay in bed, you'll stress that you're not sleeping and that will then cause you not to sleep longer. And uh, so you just want to get up, do something boring, you know, and, and then, then back in your and body will again. just say, yeah, and then in about 20 minutes, your body say, oh, I'm ready to go back to bed now. Okay. All right. Well, this has been really good. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Dr. Joshua Black, how can our listeners connect with you? You know, they can go to <laughs> griefdreams.ca. So there's a lot of information on there for people on the topic. And then if they want, they have, if they have Instagram, they can go to at grief dreams. I post a lot of dreams there. And then I also have the grief dreams podcast. And so we've had a ton of parents come on there talking about their grief and then also the dreams they've had. So maybe if they're interested in this topic, those could be some episodes that they could, sure. you know, they could listen to. And lastly, I just want to actually share one dream um, that came from a Christian. If you. Oh, no, a... I was going to ask if you had any final thoughts. So perfect. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so th this dream came in and, and from, from parent, I had a dream from my deceased five-year-old daughter. She appeared to be floating near the ceiling of her bedroom. She was healthy with curly hair. She died from cancer and was almost bald and severely jaundiced and bloated before death. She was smiling and beaming at me. She was holding Jesus's hand. There was a radiant light coming from between the two of them. She didn't speak, but communicated to me. I am with him. She told me that she was better than fine. She was in an amazing place, seeing and experiencing amazing things. So yeah. you can see with that dream, how impactful that was for the, the parent on mm -hmm. what it what it meant and as we go just to go back to your original comment of what happens when we don't dream well other people around us may be able to to get those dreams and that's there's still more understanding on why some people have those dreams or are able to remember those dreams more than us we may be having negative dreams mm -hmm. and they just it's better for us not to remember them sometimes mm -hmm. um yeah. but to ask and to not get jealous but to be able to use their dream as your own so if it is something about just if people are concerned about where they are, mm -hmm. um, that's something that they can sort of get from someone else's dream and they may be having positive dreams. And so don't be afraid to ask those around you about their dreams to sort of see, because a lot of people will actually hide their dreams from others, oh, even if they're sure. extremely positive because they don't want to have mm -hmm. other people get jealous that they've had it. So most people will have said like just the research itself, you know, around 75 to 80% of people will probably have one of these dreams within uh, the first couple of years after the, the death. So most people will have an experience. And if it's negative, well, it's something we can talk about. But as I sort of shared, a lot of stuff mm -hmm. can be um, positive and really uplifting for people to rebuild their faith, um, mm -hmm. which is a very, you said, a very difficult aspect of the yes. grieving journey right now. Yes. Yeah. And I know a couple of parents I've said, you know, maybe maybe you're not getting a dream because God knows you're not ready. Like you said, you wake up. And how devastated it can be because yeah. it felt so real and you yeah. wake up and it's just and in right. your face that it wasn't real. They're not here. And yeah. so it could be that your own mind knows you're just not ready to go there yet. Yeah. So, or you, just, so you can or... have a dream like years <laughs> later, can't you? I mean, oh, if, yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. I think that's the beauty of it and how dreams change over time. So people may be having a lot of negative dreams of trying to process the, the death. And maybe it's great that they're not having those dreams at that mm -hmm. at this moment because it's already more difficult than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so, you know, just understand that there are different reasons. We're still trying to understand it, but to just relax within the process and know that at probably at some point you will have a dream and to just be reassured and it'll come at the perfect time. because so, like God will speak to us in ways that are unexpected. Yeah. And those are the best times because we, 
God knows what we need and God knows yeah. where our heart is. And then and if someone else can have one or needs or gets an opportunity to have one, well, mm-hmm. just be able to bask in whatever that was. And uh, you can use it for yourself too. So like mm-hmm. these are, I think these dreams are meant to be shared with others because they have a healing quality about them beyond the indiv- the person who dreams it. It actually be like a community kind of healing with, with a lot of ways. Because a lot of the advice too that the deceased gives in the dreams is applicable to all of us. Mm, Sure. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much. I just really appreciated you coming on and giving us your time and, and your studies and just helping us on this journey that, uh, like you said, there's not a whole lot out there about dreams. So there's always seems to be so many questions on it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate the work you're doing to help people through their difficult time. Oh, thank you. I thought he had some really good and helpful insights. Some of you have either asked questions or let me know how frustrated you are that you have not dreamed about your child, or maybe you're having bad dreams. I know this probably hasn't taken away that frustration, but hopefully things were explained in a way that makes you feel better about why this is happening. Before we go to the birthday segment, I want to ask you to do me and other Perivers a favor. If this podcast is helpful to you, would you help me let other Perivers know about it? You can do that by maybe taking a few seconds and giving it a rating or a review on whatever listening app you use. Maybe share it in a social media group you're a part of or maybe a grief support group that you attend. Thanks for helping me get the word out to others who need the same hope and encouragement you receive each week. Okay, it is time for this week's birthdays. Kevin Stoneburner was born on September 1st and left us at age 27. Ray Lynn Huffman was born on September 2nd and left us at age 22. We celebrate the day these two children came into the world. We know it will always be an important day to their families. If you would like to have your son or daughter's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the information that we need and hit submit. And we will also send you an email to remind you to make sure you listen to that week's podcast when your child's birthday is shared with the other listeners. I was talking to a mom just yesterday who told me she has had two dreams with her son in them since he died. I asked her if they were good dreams, and she said, it depends on how you want to look at it. The dreams were good, but then I woke up and realized they were just dreams, and that really hurt. So it can hurt if we don't dream about them, but it can also hurt if we do. I believe our dreams can be either messages from our own brains trying to sort things out that are happening in our lives for us specifically, the death of our child. And I also believe that dreams can be messages from God. Either way, I do believe that our dreams can be very important and significant. So even if you aren't having dreams about your child that you can remember anyway, you might still be having dreams that are helping you in other ways. You might get them, you might not. But whatever your situation is with dreams and your child, as always, I want to remind you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.